Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, a Mitch Rap Podcast. What's happening this week, Mike? Not much, man. I just wish that you were with me for this incredible conversation we had with a special guest today. I missed you. I know. I was super bummed I couldn't make this, but uh, it's what happens when you have a pregnant wife. Uh, sometimes podcasts come second. <laughs> Wait, podcast comes first, second, third, fourth, wife, fifth now with the four kids and the wife. I guess I'm I'm fifth, right? Uh, depends on the day. Depends <laughs> on the day. All right, I'll I'll let you put your sister on the list. All right. <laughs> I was going to move you up depending on the day, like above my kids, depending oh, on how annoying they oh, were. Oh, so that's oh, what oh. I was saying. Oh, okay. I, I might get into that three four spot. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Mary's the queen. I, I can't take the spot from Mary. I'm sure she's the queen of the house. Oh, yeah. She just like, <laughs> anyways, yeah. She's too adorable. She can say anything. You know, she does something. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, daddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> and she's so cute. You can't like, oh. anyways. You know, I was super bummed. Couldn't be there for it. But, you know, you guys are in for a real treat. Oh, a yeah. real, real treat. I haven't felt this jazzed about our author series I mean, we've had some great people. And just last week, what a delight talking with Chris Berman. Hopefully some of you guys are into historical fiction with his work. But Chris Howdy is a heavy hitter, man. A big name in the Thrillerverse lately. Yes. And, you know, I just, I want more. Is the second one out? Uh, yeah. Or is Deep it coming State out? was the first, then Savage Road. Yeah. And then Novello Savage was Road. this kind of third one. And the fourth one, Storm Rising, is May? Coming out in May. Okay, right. I got I got to read Savage Road. Then. Yeah, you didn't okay. read Savage Road. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. You got to catch up on that, man. All right, well, I got too much stuff to catch up <laughs> on, but uh, no, it's he's a really good author. Seems like a really good dude. So yeah, you guys are in for a treat with this uh, interview. Quick warning here: we do use the last maybe ten minutes or so for a spoiler-filled discussion, but we're very clear on when that begins. So even if you haven't read any of the Haley Chill series. First off, what the hell are you doing? Got to get on that. But we're very clear uh, when we switch it over about 45 minutes in to a little bit of a spoiler discussion. We'll give you a warning. So feel free to jump into the interview. Whether you've met Haley or not, you're going to love her. Today, we welcome the mastermind behind the groundbreaking Haley Chill series, including Deep State, Savage Road, Insurrection Day, the newest installation, and the very soon-to-be-released Storm Rising. Welcome, Chris Howdy. Hey, thanks, Mike. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. If you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to start with a small little anecdote, and I must say thank you. I don't know if you remember January of last year, you did a huge favor for my family. I don't know if you understand the how important it was, but in January, I had visited my parents, and I gave my dad a copy of Deep State. Before he got to read it, he was hospitalized with COVID. Mm. When he was in the hospital, the, my, nobody can visit him. My mother couldn't see him. He asked for one thing. He wanted her to drop, well, two things. He wanted her to drop off two things, his phone charger <laughs> and his copy of Deep State. <laughs> well, he got his priorities straight. Let's say that much. <laughs> no, but but for real, he he read it through his two week hospital stay. Things were were not looking good for a while, but he texted me every day where he was at, what chapter he was up to. It was like our lifeline with each other because nobody could visit. But he made sure to text every day how far he got in the book. So. I want to say thank you. I, I do recall that, and I remember your response. And it was, you, you know, I get asked to do things at times, but I, I do remember that. And I didn't put today with that request a year ago, um, but it was very cool uh, to get that request and uh, uh, hear his response. And uh, so I, I'd like to thank you for giving me that opportunity to. Uh, to help him through his uh, hospital stay. It's a great story. Yeah, and you were so kind to send him a signed copy of Savage Road when it came out a short while later. So uh, yeah, thank you for that. Sure. Well, let's kick it off with uh, that book I mentioned, Deep State. 
came out in early 2020 and it lit up social media. I mean, it was everywhere. People couldn't stop posting about that twist. And it's yeah. one of the best debut thrillers ever. How did it feel having your first book so well received? Well, it was uh, it was a real whirlwind, and um, you know, it it it, uh, it might seem from the outside like it was practically an overnight success because it was my first novel. Uh, and it didn't take very long. It was accepted by Emily Bessler, uh, uh, with the first submission. And so it seemed from the outside that, that it was very easy and happened so fast. But in reality, I think it's probably the same with all authors. There was a lot before that, um, that, that paved the way for all of that to happen. And, uh, so, I think you probably know, and maybe some of your audience already knows, that I spent 30 years uh, in Hollywood writing movies and really had no connection with the uh, novel business at all. And <clears throat> so what was so great about the reaction to that book um, was that it was completely <laughs> unlike anything I had experienced in the movie business. Um, be if on, on several different levels. Um, uh, that book was totally mine. There wasn't a team of development executives and producers and directors and actors interpreting my work. It was really pretty much the book that I delivered to Emily Bessler. Uh, and then what I considered, uh, after my experience in Hollywood, to be very light editorial suggestions. And then it was out there uh, in the wild. And I, I, to this day, I remember the first time I checked Goodreads and the very first true fan, someone who had absolutely no connection to the publishing business or to my career or anything, just someone who got the book. I think it was a librarian somewhere in the Midwest or, or Colorado who wrote a positive response on Goodreads, my first one. Um, and it was just so exciting. And so as that built and, and people really responded so favorably to the book, it was just extremely gratifying um, to have that response and really feel true ownership uh, with, the, with the book that I could never, that essentially no one, I don't care who you are, but especially as a writer in Hollywood, <clears throat> excuse me, in Hollywood, you can't achieve that kind of, of um of true authorship because making a movie or a TV series is so much a collaboration. So it was just, you know, I was just grinning from ear to ear for, for months on end. <laughs> and then I had to write the second book. <laughs> you got to keep going, right? <laughs> the grind never stops. Yeah. You know, one of the funny, one of the illuminating uh, moments uh, as we submitted the book to, to Emily was when, my agent uh, checked in with her after she'd had it uh, for a few days. We had put a, something of a clock on her on the submission. It was an exclusive submission to Emily. And, and uh, my agent reported back to me very excited that Emily was loving the book. And her last question was, what does he have in mind for the next book? Yep. And I, I, was, I, had, I had no idea that there was the next book at the time. I just, you know, saw it as a book that I wanted to write. I didn't know there would be more. Literally, I didn't know at the time there would be more Haley Joe books. Um, oh, there has to be. There had to be, and there still needs to be. Yeah, yeah. No, well, midway through writing that book, I decided that I had found a new career, honestly. Whether it achieved success or not, I was having so much more fun writing a novel than I ever did writing a screenplay. You know, some authors we talk to, they have a vision. This could be that 15 book series. And, you know, they execute the plan. Or Jack Carr yeah. told us he, he's thinking two books ahead, knowing where the story's going to progress. And yeah. then we hear from others who are flying by the seat of their pants. And who knows what the next one will behold. But, you know, the author's craft, it, it comes to them and they put it on page and it works. Yeah. Interestingly, I mean, I know that there's always, that's always a question from, in book events is like, or is whether or not I'm a 
outliner or a pantser, I think they, right. they call it. Pantser or plotter. Yep. And I am very much an outliner. I, I am like, I, I, I outline everything. I always have as a screenwriter. You really have to. Um, but uh, I don't know anyone who writes screenplays without an outline or a treatment first. Uh, I never thought of that as the overview of the entire series. I really, I start to think about um, the next book and what the sort of general idea of it will be as I'm winding down the book before it. So right now I'm, I'm closing in on the finish of a rough draft of book four. And I've just started kind of thinking about locations and situations and, and what sort of book, what sort of structure it might take. So I don't, I, I don't have Jack's foresight in terms of, uh, of thinking four books ahead. That's another kind of, uh, uh, chess plane that I, that I can't do. That's a, it's a Vulcan style playing chess. Hey, going back to your screenwriting days, I just realized, I forget if it was Insurrection Day or Savage Road, but I paused it one minute and I said, the sentences are so short and crisp and declarative that when it paints a picture of a scenario, I almost feel like I'm watching it, where sometimes descriptive language does that, but the descriptive language gets a little too fluffy. It almost ends up being distracting. Where your books, I feel like your screenplay writing comes through in the way the sentences are straightforward, you know, as if I were watching this play unfold, you know, this person does this, this character does this, the setting looks like this. And I realized it actually painted a very clear picture of what was going on. Is that something you're conscious of if your writing style from screenwriting has bled into the novel writing? Are you are you aware of that? Are you consciously doing it? Because I really noticed that in just the last book or two. Oh yeah, very very much so. It uh, I think it comes from two places, and and the first place is the one that you're describing as a as a screenwriter. I, I don't know how many screenplays I wrote, but it was a lot. And um, uh, as I've said many times before, you know the, the the hidden secret of Hollywood is that no one in Hollywood uh, wants to read. Period. And so. You really, as a screenwriter, you're absolutely compelled to write with language that has a spareness, mm-hmm. an impact, and vividness that will convince them to read past, past 10 pages. And, and so, I mean, that's just the kind of, uh, of writing, prose writing and dialogue writing that, that I, you know, grew up with. And, um, and developed, and I think appreciate. I mean, I, I think it comes from you know my earliest admiration and and uh, imitations of Ernest Hemingway. I mean, I I loved that style of prose, and I became you know impatient with other great masters of literature um, like Faulkner, where the sentences pile into each other and. And, and you can spend whole pages on the description of a magnolia tree or whatever. Right. So, right. you know, I'm, I'm very much, uh, the kind of reader who reads for character and plot and less for atmosphere and descriptions and details and, 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 and just lots of stuff that doesn't have anything to do with plot and character. Um, right. So, you know, I read, um, you, you know, I'll, you know, I, I love Cormac McCarthy and, and that kind of language that is spare like that, but also I think is, can be evocative of, of the world and the characters and the story that you're telling. Um, it's just what I gravitate towards. And I do think everyone's attention is getting compromised right. um, by, you know, everything from tweets to Instagram to, you know, it's just difficult to hold on to people's attention. They don't have a lot of time. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of information and data that's being dumped on us every second of the day. So, you know, I just think that 
I write them like I like to read them, I guess, essentially. Right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, it's the kind of book I would naturally gravitate towards and, and that's what I have to do. You know, it, it doesn't serve me to, to try and fake it, uh, with, right. uh, a lot of detail that, you know, I might be able to find on the internet, uh, and throw at the reader just to fill the page. Um, you know, and it also brings up another issue about, you know, my background and where I come from. I don't have the kind of, uh, background that many authors in the genre have that can, they've experienced a lot of these situations and, and, um, technical details that they can populate their books with. So I just come at it at a totally different angle and try and, and create a very readable book, passages, descriptions that still convey a lot of information, but I think just more succinctly and more sparely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's such a keen observation because I'm thinking how you fly through your books, you you rip through a story, you can't put it down. And part of that's because of the language is so bare. You need more of the characters and of the plot instead of being bogged down. Uh, by too much description or this overflowing and flowery language. It's like the plays being performed in front of you and you don't feel like you sat there for three hours. And then when the curtain goes down, you're like, wait, <laughs> I want more of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I very much. Tr- I, I mean, I, I do think when I'm uh, it's it's different. My my screenwriting is different. And I, there, are, there are several reasons why I love writing books more than I did as a screenwriter. There are more limitations in screenwriting, what you can do and what you can't do. But I think as I'm, especially in sort of the structure, how I lay out passages and chapters and and sequences, I, I think I am really seeing them kind of as a movie. You know, I'm switching from scene to scene and, and cutting some scenes off short, picking them up later, uh, you know, I think I'm developing that uh, those ideas more and more with each book. I think they're, each book is getting better, honestly. I hope they are. I hope you oh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's why I can't wait for Storm Rising. Yeah, I'd love to get that one out to you guys. They're also maybe getting, I don't think controversial is the right word for it, but... Oh, they might be getting more controversial. Right. It's okay, Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe it is the right word because I'm thinking you're starting with the deep state. In a, I guess that came out towards the end of the Trump administration or towards the transition year. Um, uh, well, it came out in twenty January twenty. Uh, that's right. So around the election, probably. Right, right around the election. I mean, just the title evokes so much in our current political climate, and then the ideas of we don't want to spoil too much uh, for our readers. You have to pick up the book, but this mm-hmm. idea of foreign interference in our political process or a shadow group that can pull strings, you know, in our government behind the scenes, eerily mm-hmm. present in the background. You're putting forth these ideas in a world where sure it's fiction, but some things might not be far off from reality. Well, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a big, it's a big topic. And so I'll say a few things. I want to write books for everybody. So I, I think con- maybe controversial isn't, exactly the right word as opposed to topical mm-hmm. and and touching on current affairs um Impression. and so you know my my awareness of the genre such as it as it was when i started this let told me that uh, you know it seemed like a lot of the there was a lot of concentration on Villains from overseas doing bad things to Americans. Um, and so I wanted to, to try and do something different, uh, just because that's the best way to, to find success as a, as any kind of artist or writer is to do things a little differently. You don't want to go too far off the reservation, but you, you keep, you, you try and bring a fresh, perspective to um, something familiar. And so 
you know, as I developed the series, I mean, I think right from the the get-go, I decided with the second book, with Savage Road, that I wanted to continue this idea of examining our institutions, American institutions, and the actors within the country who either have or don't have the country's best interests at heart. And so, you know, whereas there may be foreign players, it would be weird to ignore completely, you know, a Russian element or a Chinese element or Islamic element. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep things focused on this country and the problems that we kind of make for ourselves. That being said, there is not, you will not find the words, here are four words you will never find in a, in a Haley Chill book. Republican, Democrat, conservative, progressive. They don't exist. <laughs> and that's very much by design because that, that, that kind of, that stuff doesn't interest me. And I think it stops a reader from engaging. And one of the, one of the things I'm very, very satisfied about the job that I've done so far with the series is that as evidenced by the people who follow me on Twitter, I, they come from all political, either end of the political spectrum or right in the middle. And, and that's very gratifying because that's what I'm trying to address with these books is, is, you know, we have, problems here at home. I can't ignore them. I can't write a book about an Islamic terrorist running around Manhattan with a suitcase bomb when all this other stuff is going on in our country that, you know, knock on wood, <laughs> but seem to be a, a cause for greater concern. So I'm not pointing fingers at any particular group or political persuasion in my books, but I'm just looking at the way, you know, our institutions are under threat, either from within or without. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. And I think you're really, you bravely and, and boldly confront that just by writing something like Insurrection Day. Yeah. Would you mind sharing uh, where this idea came from? Because absolutely genius to take yeah. such an incendiary current event that 330 million Americans will have a opinion on. I, <laughs> what kind of opinion? We don't know, but they'll have an opinion on that day. To drop your main character into January 6th, there's no one I'd rather have on the ground <laughs> at the Capitol in that moment than Haley Chill. Well, maybe Mitch Rapp, but second, you know, Haley Chill's up there. Well, it's, it's, it, it, it's a fascinating time we live in, Mike. But the way that came about was, uh, my agent recommended that I consider writing a novella to bridge the time between the release of Savage Road in January of 21 and the release of Storm Rising in May of 22. The, uh, the publisher decided to push to create an extra six months of time uh, between those books, you know, just to kind of take advantage of the summer uh, sales. Uh, that's when a lot of, and I, I was excited about that. Um, and, and the idea of writing a novella, which I hadn't tried to do before. The problem was I had no idea what to write, you know, um, you know, because the first three books, while they can be enjoyed, certainly out of order, well, they're best enjoyed in order, but you can pick up any book and read it and I, and I think get a lot of uh, entertainment out of it. But there, there is a progression in the books. And I'd already written book three. I'd already written Storm Rising when my agent suggested I do that. And, um, and so I knew... I, but Insurrection Day was going to be coming out before Storm Rising. So it had to fit in the chronology between the two books, in my opinion, uh, between Savage Road and 
uh, storm rising. And so, and, and as you know, you've read Savage Road, correct? Yes. You know, so Savage Road ends in a fairly dramatic fashion uh, with a massive twist. And so um, I really was kind of at a loss as what to, you know, what to write about. I thought about just kind of doing something somewhat random, like she's driving down the highway, she stops at a truck stop and something happens, you know, and we get to see Haley chill kick ass. And that's probably what I would have done, except then January 6th happened. And I saw, and I was mesmerized. I mean, honestly, I think January 6th was as impactful and shocking as anything in America since 9-11. I'm not going to get into a debate about which was more significant or impactful because, like you said, there are 300 million Americans, 150 million of which would probably disagree with me. But I don't think anyone's going to doubt that um, it was a, a shocking event in our country's history. And I saw a photograph of two female interns, congressional interns, carrying the box of the ballots, the electoral ballots through the rotunda. And at the time, all our friends on the internet suggested that that was indeed two congressional interns who were, quote unquote, saving the ballots from the rioters. And when seeing those, those young women, it made, immediately made me think about Haley Chill. And I had the brainstorm idea of, of putting Haley Chill in that situation, in that day. The problem, the problem being, like I said, I don't write about Republicans or Democrats or Trump or Biden or, 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 anyone real like that. And so, you know, my solution, I don't think it's spoiler to say that the, the, the writers in Insurrection Day are, are a, a, lar a very large rally of white supremacists who have gathered on the, on the mall to um, uh, voice their opinions. And, you know, that's a situation where if I lose the white supremacist audience, that's okay with me. Right. <laughs> yes. Good thing for the genre too. You, you know, and it, you know, so I'm always walking that line, Mike, between, you know, what's relevant and what's entertainment, right. you know? And I, and I think that, um, you know, I, I, it's a, it's a delicate line to walk um, in insurrection day. And it, you have a red storm rising, but it very much, you know, is the razor's edge that I'm walking in storm rising, which is a very dark book. And uh, I think it's my favorite one that I've written so far. It's very emotional. It's very dark. It goes, it touches on, on some true controversial aspects that I think some readers might have trouble with, but if they stick with the book, you know, I think those those potential controversies are resolved in such a way that I don't think anyone should have a problem with. But you know, I'm definitely pushing I'm definitely pushing the the envelope because that's what I think my job is to do. It's to yes. make it, you know to to I'm not just gonna like it's not a it's not just a book that you're going to read in on a, on your flight from LA to New York. Right. You know, um, it's not just pure escapist entertainment. I, I'm right. trying to like make, you know, certain light bulbs go off in your head and push certain buttons and, and give you, a, you know, a real emotional ride. And, and I think Storm Rising definitely fulfills that mandate that that uh, I've been trying to pull off that is that's refreshing to hear <laughs> uh, some yeah. I'm not going to name names I do pick up some books because I'm so invested in the series I have to get the next one yeah and it ends up being a a beach read uh, a summer read yeah. where we really wanted to do this podcast about Vince Flynn because we think his work if you look at the whole series, 
is doing something deeper. It's pushing the envelope, like you said, mm-hmm. but it's also taking this one character and not just regurgitating, oh, more kick-ass action, more more terrorists for him to beat up. The arc of Mitch Rapp is, is deeper and more emotional and and visceral, the things that happen to him and how he's coping with them and the relationships with his team, his boss, his friends. Uh, so I'm glad to hear you're invested in in putting Haley through that. And with Savage yeah. Road, again, don't want to say much, it takes a very personal twist in that yeah. story that's yeah. definitely going to be foundational on her future decisions and how she pursues her mission with uh, the organization she's a part of. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad it's gonna it's gonna push the envelope a little bit, take us into maybe those dark spaces of Haley Chill's life and personality. Yeah. Well, in book four, the one I'm working on now, uh, like I said, I'm getting close to the end of the first draft, but I felt like, you know, both Haley and I had to like kind of <laughs> take, a, take a beat. I mean, we were both kind of an emotional wreck at the end of, of, uh, of Storm Rising. So okay. it, it is, you know, I decided with that one to, it doesn't go to the same, it doesn't, you know, I, I write visceral books, so it's, it's 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 a bit hardcore and it's quite diabolical in its concept, but and it'll definitely freak some people out. But I didn't. I had to. I mean, I really, I really, I feel like I was reacting to all the craziness that was happening in the world in the past two years, you know. And it really came out in book three, and um, you know, like. I feel like we both Haley and I went to some dark places and, and she loses, you know, she, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there's loss in that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, when we see her in book four, she's, I see book four as kind of like recovery, honestly, huh. literally, both, figure, both literally and figuratively as a, a kind of a recovery. She's got to find her center again because she gets the living shit kicked out of her in, uh, uh, in Storm Rising. I hope this isn't your and her Joker moment, you know, here. No, <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, not at all. She, she, um, she doesn't, she doesn't, um, you know, I, I like, I, I like arcs in my character. So, you know, she's going to, she, ends book three in a very hard place and we pick but and she's i can't get i can't really go into much more because it's nice to give too much away but we pick her up at book four and she's still in that hard place that's what i really love about you know i i guess in terms of what jack's talking about jack carr's talking about in terms of you know thinking four books ahead i do you know i'm really settling into this idea of a long you know, long road, a long ride to watch her character grow. And, you know, I, I intentionally, you know, I was, when I realized what the score was with this, you know, ideally these books last for however many books in a series, even beyond their authors, you know, time on earth, it's, it was, a, it's, a, it's, I have a, I have a long runway to work with here. She's 24, I think, in the first right. book. So, um, and there's a lot that happens, as you know, there's a lot that happens oh, yeah. with people from their mid twenties into their thirties. And it's, it's, it's super cool to be able to have that, um, you know, that ability to, to paint that broad, broad, you know, potentially epic picture. Right. Right. Hey, I love hearing all this about what's to come for Haley. I just had to bring up one other point. We touched on it earlier how you craft a setting and your locations. So just today, I almost went down the Haley Chill path on my drive home. I crossed the Key Bridge, which in deep state, something major happens. I drove past the GW Deli. When when we were in that bathroom, that's all I'm going to say, in the GW Deli, I nearly lost my mind because I've been there so many times. And I kid you not, on the same trip, I drive past the bus stop outside the Russian embassy. That's insane. I almost have chills every day when I drive past that bus stop. I almost see a silhouette of Haley sitting there, and I'm not going to say what happens. But I love that. Your, well, your locations are fantastic, the way you describe it. Have you lived in D.C., or you must have spent some time here? 
I have, but it's been a long time. Uh, uh, it's been a while, and um, you know, it, the, <laughs> I learned something just a couple of days ago in in reference to this topic, and and that's that. Uh, yeah, I've been reading a lot about Lee Child and the Reacher series, and um, I'm not surprised by this fact, but I read something to the effect that, uh, you know, Lee, Lee had never been to Georgia when he wrote the, the first book. And um, so, look, as a screenwriter, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put the material out. Um, and unless, and the money really doesn't start flowing until a movie goes into production. And very few, I mean, not too many projects start in production. It usually starts with either a spec script or a development deal. And in those cases, money is limited. So you write a you write a screenplay that's set in Bulgaria or Kentucky or the tip of South America, you're not going down there to research. You don't have the time and you don't have the money. So you just learn how to fake it really good. I don't know if that's something I should admit, but uh, yeah, you know, the child has, and he's done pretty well with his his uh, venture. I, I feel a bit more uh, at ease admitting as much. So, you know, it's a combination of, again, I think having a, a sense of what details to put in. Don't put in too many details, but but... You know, just I think not not even a question of finding the authenticity, the verisimilitude of of the GW Delhi, but you know I know I have a problem. I need to get I need to get these two characters kicking each other's ass. Okay, where am I going to do that? And I look on Google Maps and and I find um, a you know, in the right location, the right distance, the right amount of time for her to give chase. And, and, um, and then I'll, if I'm lucky, you know, I'll find a website for that particular business. Um, um, you know, it really comes into play in, in, uh, in Insurrection Day. I've forgotten the name of the restaurant where she chases, uh, she's on the chase and he's gone through the, I think it's a Peruvian fusion restaurant, if I kept it in there. And then there's a back entrance, and it goes into sort of a courtyard, and it leads into another business that takes them into into another building that leads them to the next block over. So it's just a way of, uh, you you know, for people who who know the area, like yourself, and drive by it and, and will be entertained, amused, tickled that the location actually exists uh, in a book that they're reading. But also, it's just a way of sparking ideas. Like, how am I going to structure the scene? Well, here are the buildings. Here's, you know, putting yourself in the real situation. What would I do if I'm a bad guy? And and there are a million cops around. I'm going to duck into this building. Is there a back exit? How am I going to get through there? Et cetera, et cetera. So... That's fun stuff. That's a lot of fun to, right. to create the scenes in those worlds. That even works when it's also when it doesn't have a specific name because, you know, a parking garage. We've all seen them. We've all been in them. We've all been scared about who's hiding behind the pillar, you know. So yeah. even something that's generic, you could still have as a really gripping setting without a particular, oh, on this block at P Street and 13th, you know. Yeah. You yeah. still know, you know, a parking garage, like, you know, a bathroom deli, you know, yeah. a deli or a bathroom in the back of a deli. So, yeah. Yeah. If you spend any time in New York as a, I was a bike messenger in New York, my first job out of college. And, and uh, so, yes, I know all about those dingy, crappy little <laughs> <laughs> bathrooms in the back of delis and restaurants. And yeah, yeah. Stores. yeah. And I'm a teacher. So when you said really fake it till you make it, you know, I know all about that as well. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned Reacher and Lee Child. I, I've got to ask you. You know, you saw how that blew up just this last week or so with their debut on uh, Amazon. We've got the Gray Man coming up on Netflix. We've got the Terminalist in production. One, which of those are you most looking forward to, and 
any thought down the road to seeing uh, Haley on the big screen? I could see it now, just a show called Chill. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my title for it. I, I guess that's a, that's an easy one to reach for. Um, in, in regards to those other uh, shows, those are, you know, I, I love all of those authors and their books, so I just can't wait to see them. I think, you know, I watched the first episode of, of uh, Reacher last night and, and just thought it was fantastic. Um, and just, you know, it's like comfort food, that, right. that show. It just goes down so easy. And, you know, both of the, you know, packages for Mark's series and, and Jack's, I mean, the, the people involved, you want to see those type of actors and directors and producers. Those are just the top. Uh, talents in the business. So I have every reason to expect uh, that they're going to be fantastic as well. In terms of my my series, we optioned it uh, to 20th Century TV even before the book was published. Um, and that option lasted a couple of years. We made, you know, in typical fashion, uh, we didn't, we didn't, uh, it was problematic. Let me just say that it was uh, it was problematic. I had two different partners, creative partners, on that project, and I would say the second go round with my second partner definitely was much more in the wheelhouse of something that seemed like a a good interpretation of the series to me. Uh, unfortunately, it was right. It was a. It was probably about a year ago, and it was right in the throes of COVID, and the town had, you know, we 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 didn't even pitch by Zoom uh, because people got so sick in town of pitching by Zoom right. that we just wrote up a, a proposal and sent it out to to networks that way, and didn't get any bites. So we're just now getting going again. Uh, and I have, I'm working with a couple of reps to uh, take the the book out. I'm, we're actually going out with book three, Storm Rising, as a as sort of a lead in, uh, because I I think it is really topical, uh, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, exciting wow. to get that get that going. But you know, having been in in the business so long, and really appreciating what's going on with the books and this community of authors and, and fans and bloggers and podcasters, you know, if it, if it never happens, I, I am not going to be, I'm not going to be upset. It's, it's, you know, being able to write the books and get them to fans uh, for me is enough. And everything beyond that is like, you know, a cherry on top of the Sunday. Uh, right. I won't say no, but <laughs> um right. It doesn't have to happen. It's not why I'm doing this. Right. Well, you're in such a unique position, you know, kind of straddling both worlds, the screen and Hollywood stuff, and now the books and the novels. So yeah, if it's in the cards for anybody, I could see it down the road panning out. Yeah, and if, if, it, if we got lucky with it, I would, you know, I think I have the, the, whatever you want to call it, the capacity or the track record or the history to be able to, you know, create the thing, which um, I, I don't think um, uh, probably a lot of the other authors in the genre would be in the position to do that. Though they can get an executive producer credit and and they'll be consulted and 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 all of that. But uh, I would definitely, uh, I think, take the position that I want to create the show. Well, back to books for a second. I got to ask, what are you reading? What, what's on the nightstand right now? Oh, I'm reading uh, uh, the uh, Damascus Station. Uh, yes. David McCloskey's. McCloskey, um, yes. Yeah, uh, which I'm loving. It's fantastic. And then, yeah, really, really good. I, I like his, his writing a lot. It's, I mean, I can't believe it's a, it's a first book. I mean, it's like when I read... Um, Connor Sullivan's uh, The Sleeping Bear, Sleeping, Sleeping Bear. Bear. Yeah. You know, once again, it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this kid just <laughs> wrote this as the first book. <laughs> um, so those were those were two favorites. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the middle of Damascus. And then 
After that, I'm going to read uh, Nick Petrie's uh, The Runaway, which nice. I really love Nick's writing. So I'm looking forward to that. Love that. I feel like you kicked off a wave of some debut authors, their first book coming out of the gate screaming. We had we had a gap where I wasn't getting great debuts. I picked up a few first books of some authors, wasn't w- wowed. Ever since Deep State, I feel like every other author I've read just, I don't know if they knew their debut had to knock it out of the park or just the game, you know. Just I raised the bar, man. <laughs> everyone raised the bar, exactly, yeah. If you'd be so kind, we want to keep you on another maybe five, ten minutes or so to ask you some after-hours spoiler questions. Sure. So we're going to give a spoiler warning here. Pause the podcast, take a break, pick up. All the Haley Chill books, pre-order, Storm Rising for this May. And again, spoiler warning, if you have not read Deep State, Savage Road, and Insurrection Day, now's the time to hit pause and sign off. But if you want to hear from Chris, talk a little bit about the storylines and the characters with some spoilers. Here we go. a great idea because it's so hard to talk about my books uh, without a spoiler alert so yeah yeah this we realized two things about our podcast we've really enjoyed one is actually reading the book and having a book club discussion as if we're just two friends mm-hmm. talking about it reading it like we would if we hang out you know after having having read it but then the other part we've really enjoyed is when an author talks to us, you know, off the cuff, just last five, 10 minutes before we sign off. And we can actually ask them the questions we wanted to ask. So we thought, let's try to work that in at the end of some of our interviews. So That's good. I, I got to start with Publius. Just what a creation. This, this organization, the deeper state. I love this idea. Where did it come from? And how'd you come up with this idea of, you know, Andrew Wilde and what he's doing? Yeah. Gosh, I you know I don't remember the genesis of it except that um, it you know what the the title came to me first just because at the time when I wrote it Deep State was still a relatively it wasn't an esoteric concept but it, it hadn't gained the currency it hadn't become the whipping post of like both parties by that by that right. uh, it was still kind of like ooh Deep State it was like it was like you know, like a phrase like heavy metal or or heavy, you know, like just one of those weird like concepts that really grabbed me. Like, ooh, a government within the government sounds cool. And then I kind of built the whole, like, you know, the story around it. But I, I can't remember how I came up with it, except I needed Haley, obviously, to be revealed as something more than she purported to be. Um, she was more than an intern. And, you know, I'm an optimist. Uh, I, 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 I write this dark stuff and all these terrible things happen in our country, but they're in response to the awful and terrible things that are happening in my country. But I always think that things are going to work out, that I think, and I still to this day feel this way, even though we have so much polarization I feel like America will always find its center because I think, generally speaking, the overwhelming center of our population are good people who have good values and that are very similar to everyone else's values. Um, and so since I'm an optimist, I needed the, the good version of the deep state, the deep state being a bad thing. Uh, I wanted... It just seemed like a cool idea, and I'm sure it just popped in my head in the way that, you know, 75% of my ideas do, where it's just kind of like, wait a minute, Eureka, where, you know, it's like, yeah, there's a deep state, and then there's something good. There's a deeper state. Um, and, um, you know, the the name, I, I can't remember, I, I sort of dug around looking for a possible name. And there's this connection in the books to the founding fathers. Right. And, and I found out that there was this, uh, Federalist papers. Yeah. The, the, right. Exactly. So, you know, to have that kind of connective tissue to right. what we all think to be as the pure, the, the, the idealistic 
founding fathers. Right. And that would connect her with that. Yeah. And then every time you introduce it, I guess, to catch up, you know, new readers who this might be their first book, you mention how it's this shadow group with former presidents, Supreme Court justices, <laughs> uh, directors of national intelligence. You know, Chris and I on the podcast early on watched a documentary, The Spy Masters, where wow. they interviewed all the uh, persons who served as director of national intelligence. So many of them are still alive, still in an age, you know, either retirement age, but still um, still have the ability to serve on boards or organizations. Yeah. That collective group has a lot of power, yeah. even if they're right now unelected or not working in the bureaucracy or as civil servants. They have knowledge and they have wisdom and they have all mm -hmm. that wealth and experience. So that that's exactly what the deeper state with Publius is supposed to represent. Is the reason why they act so altruistically is because they don't have anything there there's no power to preserve they don't mm -hmm. you know the problem with supposing with the deep state people the unelected officials they're just trying to preserve their power because power is more seductive and 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 valuable than money or anything else so i i thought that was the beauty of its of the concept is that you could not really question their motivations because they have the only thing at right. stake for them is the preservation of our country. Right. You know? right. And, um, and it's just fun to kind of create those kind of cut out characters who, you know, might speak like a, an Obama or a George Bush or Ruth Bader Ginsburg or whomever and, and let people kind of like go, Oh, that's the, that's the, that's the George Bush character right there. You know? Uh, yeah, I, I sometimes wonder if they just give speeches because obviously the speaker fee and honorarium is going to be pretty good, uh, yeah. or they just write the book because that's going to be a big book deal. But I also think they want to tell the story of the America they fought for and use that influence to tell generations that we, they can still fight for that too, yeah. even if the current establishment or leaders you agree, disagree with. I think they're using their influence in a different way. And sometimes it'd be kind of cool to see that they are hands-on and have yeah. people like a Haley underneath them that they can send out or direct towards yeah. a certain objective. Yeah. I, I see where along the line, I think probably before I started book three, either another author or a rep, someone said like, Oh, maybe in this book three, you know, it turns out deep state is the deeper state is, up to no good, you know, it's up to Haley to, and I was like, absolutely no way, you know, I want to preserve the purity of, of that creation and that agency. And just, you know, I, I, you know, my, my idea is like, it's like the, it's like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. I want <laughs> the deeper state to, them exist. to exist. We need them. Me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I'll never say never, but, um, I don't foresee at any time casting the deeper state or Haley's superiors as uh, potential villains or okay. up to no good. I don't want to overstep my bounds, but this Andrew Wilde, he's kind of mysterious. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly not sure how much I'm supposed to like him. Right. Or... Did you just do such a good job putting me in Haley's shoes? Because she questions sometimes herself. Yeah. So I do wonder if you are asking the the reader, shouldn't we too be worried yeah. about people of this level of influence? Yeah. Who wield extraordinary amounts of, like you said, knowledge, and I would say in somewhat power as well, because they do have agents like Haley and and her her friend and the other yeah. people on the ground. They do have power in that sense. Should, is Andrew Wilde a good guy? I mean, don't answer that directly, but I do sometimes like Haley Wonder. He's come yeah. to her rescue. He has, I don't know. Is the cat out of the bag there? I'm kind of, I'm kind of holding him a bit in reserve. I mean, his role yeah. has has not changed much. Much it fluctuates between being this kind of uh, abrupt. Mm -hmm. uh, not terribly friendly presence in her life. And, and he, you know, he plays the role almost of like a true supervisor. 
he's not the boss, you know, and, and the way that I've, I've painted the, those true, you know, the top level deeper state personalities, they're always, you know, in each book so far, they're above reproach. But Andrew Wilde, you know, is that classic supervisor. He's not, he's not that untouchable, unassailable force. He's the guy who's carrying out orders and being kind of a pain in the ass supervisor that I'm sure all of us have had at one point in our, our employment. But I have been kind of keeping, um, keeping him in reserve for a bigger role and to do more with his character in terms of all this, you know, uh, musings that you're having about his, his real character. Book four takes place. I'm not going to say where it takes place because it's definitely, uh, an unusual location for, um, Haley in one of these books. I wanted to do something like I said, I needed a break, um, from, from book three. And so it's a very unlikely place that you would think on the surface is very pleasant. And then it turns out there's some very unpleasant things happening there. But all that said, I think for book five, I, I think I'm going to go back to DC and, uh, and, uh, and, and probably do something more with Andrew Wilde in that regard. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good to know that might be down the road. Yeah, that's down the road. I guess one more question about Haley and what she's been through you brought her father in to the picture and she went through some pretty shocking revelations about his time in the service and, you know, his death in the line of duty, which, you know, kind of rug pulled us, but you really tackled, I think, mental health there a little bit and dealing with the fallout of war when, you know, you're a victim of your own side, you know, and abuses yeah. of the system. Did you intentionally want to put her in the shoes of what a lot of service people, their families and veterans are experiencing? Is, is that somewhat what you were going for with that storyline? Oh, yeah. And, and the storyline really completes itself in book three. I mean, so we're, we're, in, we're in the zone of, of uh, spoiler alert. So we can, can we assume that your listeners have uh, read Savage Road? Guys, we did say spoilers for Deep State and Savage Road and Insurrection Day, so yeah, yeah. it's coming. If you if you haven't read the if you haven't read Savage Road, then you know please hit your pause button, close your laptop, or however you're listening. But um, so yeah, I mean, uh, her dad plays such an enormous role in uh, in her life, and it's such a sort of like gary cooper-esque type of uh figure and then as we learn more and more about him and certainly by the end of savage road we learn how damaged he was by his experiences in war and potentially involved in in some really you know heinous activities so yeah i mean it seemed to fit the the canon uh, for her to have that experience and relationship in her life. And then it'll, it'll play out and resolve in book three, like I said. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I have, I haven't, I, I didn't serve in the military. My dad did, but, you know, I have such respect for, for the men and women who do serve and the, experiences that they have and the traumas that they they uh incur so it just again it felt like if you're going to have um a character who had more experiences you, you can't gloss over that stuff so right. um and like i said it seemed to you know Haley has a she has something of a tortured persona and it seemed to fit her her character right Hey, well, one way you put your stamp on the Thrillerverse is with these flash forwards of the characters. I mean, just what a brilliant move because Vince Flynn, we always bring up, was the master of the backstory. 
You know, mm -hmm. he could show you what a character represents or stands for by fleshing out where they came from. Mm -hmm. But you kind of flip that on its head. These little death stories or vignettes of where the character's life will end up. And I notice you only do it for like secondary characters. That way we don't know the, the main characters, what happens to them. I love that. It's almost invoking like karma or mm -hmm. what goes around comes around for some of them. It's somewhat clairvoyant. We, we could see into their, their future. That is just so different. That's I, I feel like we should call that the howdy. You need a trademark for it. Yes. I haven't seen anywhere else. <laughs> it changes the game, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know that anyone has done that or is doing that, and I'm waiting for the first person to kind of copy it. It'll be fun to 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 see that if anyone does. But you know, again, when I when I was writing the first book, it was I, I was completely unfettered. I just had no agenda. I, I was just trying something new and literally didn't know what the rules were. You know, I just felt like, hell, I'm, I've been writing for three decades, you know, burdened with rules about what I could and couldn't do. So I was just having fun. And I think it came from, you know, I, I, I you know, it's emotional when I'm, when I'm writing these, these scenes and these characters, and these secondary characters who we're not going to see again, I always want to know what's going to happen to them, you know? Right. And, and so I'm, I'm satisfying that urge to, to know more what happens away from the story when they walk off the stage, but also, you know, as a part of aggrandizing Haley Chill, like, you know, I'm, I'm usually writing that that whatever that howdy whatever you want to call it um from the uh, from the uh inflection point of having met and and interacted with Haley in some way so for for better or worse you know how does the rest of that character's life track out and you know one of my favorite ones is is uh is the in the first book and the her boxing, I don't, I can't remember the character's name. It's in deep state. It's her trainer. Um, uh, I think he's a sergeant. I can't remember if he was a sergeant or not, but how his life tracked out after, you know, his, after Haley went off and, and, and lived her life as a, a deeper state operative. What happened to that character? Right. And, and just the fact that he has this long life afterwards, but the, the last kind of, the last, last thoughts that he have, has before he's expires, he's murdered, um, in Detroit or someplace, Chicago. And, uh, and, um, I just thought like when I wrote that scene, I was just like, I really felt it like, yeah, this is cool. And, and I continued to do it. I haven't done as much in book four. Um, I, yeah, book four. Um, but sometimes I go back and do it, uh, in rewriting. It just, you know, I don't want to force it. I don't want to make it right. kind of like a forced gimmick. If, I, if the mood strikes, I do it. You know, yeah. it, it definitely happens in book three, probably to a less extent than it happened in books one and two. Yeah, I think I noticed it a little less. But then when you get it, it's a, it's a nice yeah. little uh, Easter egg. Little, it's a nice trip. Easter egg, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Hey, well, I have to say thank you for coming on with me tonight, but also for creating these stories for the world. And on a personal level, thank you for what you did for my father with the signed book and sending him a copy and acknowledging how this, I really have to say, saved him. There were some dark days. And the fact that he wanted to tell me which chapter he was up to, you know, mm -hmm. every night he made it his mission to, to give me that report and tell mm -hmm. me what Haley was up to next. And it, it really meant a lot. So thank you for what you did for him and for us. And thanks for writing these books. And thanks for coming on today. My one ask, Mike, is that you remind me when uh, come May or, you know, a little bit before May when I get my box of, of uh, hard copies of uh, Storm Rising that uh, you remind me and I want to send uh, another signed copy to your dad. Hey, thank you know that is just too generous. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be I'll stay in touch. Yeah, great. And thanks for having me on. It was really fun talking to you tonight. Really enjoyed it. 
Sure. Thanks for coming. Everybody, pick up your copies of Deep State, Savage Road, Insurrection Day, and pre-order Storm Rising. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you coming on. All right, man. We hope you enjoyed that awesome interview that Mike did. What what a good guy, Mike. You you are you're you're just killing it, man. Killing it with these interviews. Man, it's it's all these authors. Anytime you reach out to somebody, boom, immediately they're willing to talk to you. They're so open, so personable, and and really for the most part easy to to communicate with and and get this arranged. You know, we have we have some names on our list that uh we need we need to get on the pod and one of them is highly relevant to an announcement we we will be making on the pod next oh, yes. week. We need to get him on the pod. Uh so Oh yes. Yes, yes, yes. Just, you know, just dropping little breadcrumbs here. We uh we have a big announcement for you next week. Our 100th episode. This was episode 99. Our 100th episode. Something big's coming. Not telling you yet. But you got to listen. Next week it's coming. It's the big 100. We're going to drop some news. We're going to set you guys up. Our patrons, they already know. A lot of them already heard the special announcement. And guys, get ready. The rest of 2022 into 2023, we've got an awesome season two lined up for you with the podcast. So definitely tune in next week. Don't miss the episode. We've got a big announcement. We'll drop some news. And we're going to be talking covers. Yes, we are. Excited to talk the covers in totality. This is going to be a daunting pod. <laughs> we thought uh, doing the first lines was a big one. Now we're doing the covers. And, and just down the road shortly here, we're going to have to give our final ratings as we wrap things up so big stuff coming on the podcast the next uh month or so yeah i can't wait this is this is a fun time fun time yep, Mike. Yep. all right guys we need to thank our patrons our special operator sherry f our special agent agents kevin daryl george matt don dennis peggy Catherine, ray bridget jeff and mark subscribe rate and review you can find us at mitrappod.com or on twitter and instagram at mitrappod and as always just let mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster, but thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Guerrilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.